Welcome to Success That Last, a podcast that seeks to have honest, candid conversations about the complicated topic of success. I'm your host, Jared Siegel. I'm a partner at DeLap and leader of our wealth advisory practice. During each episode, we'll talk to a business owner, real estate investor, or industry consultant about their own experiences, observations, and insights as it pertains to that complicated topic of success. Welcome to Success at Last. We're going to mix it up a little bit this week. I'm flying solo and we're going to go a little bit shorter, but wanted to take the next 20 minutes or so to synthesize some specific thoughts and perspectives, observations, and ultimately share a few resources that are designed to be specifically relevant to you, your family, your business, and your team in these very unusual times. And so with that, let's go ahead and jump in to today's episode. Well, hello and welcome. Happy summer solstice, June 20th, right around the corner. It's wild to think that we're almost at the halfway point this year. I guess happy summer. Kind of feels like summer quasi started with the kids being at home for the last several months. Sometimes when you experience history, you don't realize that you're experiencing a moment that will go down in the record books. But then there's other times when you experience history and you know you are. I think right now we're in the latter. What a year 2020 has been. We started the year with record low unemployment, and here we are at the halfway point, and we've already transcended unemployment rates that no one thought we'd ever see ever again. It's a historic moment, and I think we're going to be talking about this one for the rest of our lives. I wanted to spend a minute and reflect upon adversity, strain. I wanted to start with a quote from Booker T. Washington. He's an African-American educator, speaker, author, He was actually a presidential advisor. He lived from 1856 to 1915. Think about the adversity that you would have had to experience as a black man born in Virginia in 1856. I think there's wisdom in this quote. He once said, success is to be measured not so much by the position that one reached in life as by the obstacles that they had to overcome. And there's no shortage of strain right now. There's no shortage of obstacles. But yet I think perspective would potentially enable us to redeem this challenging moment, to not waste it. 2,000 years ago, Seneca said, how does it help to make troubles heavier by bemoaning them? So I want to transition this conversation about strain and adversity to a conversation about anti-fragility. The word anti-fragile was actually made up or coined by Nassim Taleb. He's an author. He was searching for a word that was the opposite of fragile, but it didn't really exist. And so as he went on to unpack the word anti-fragile, he described it this way, that anti-fragility is beyond resilience or robustness. The resilient resists shocks and stays the same, but anti-fragile, it gets better. So think about muscles. You strain them, they get stronger. Or trees in the wind, the roots grow deeper and the trunks grow stronger. Children, in many ways, children are anti-fragile. As they encounter adversity, they actually grow more and more resilient. But what if your business was too? Before we really jump into that, I wanted to share a couple of examples that you may or may not be familiar with that aren't necessarily your business. Let's start with forest fires. Clearly they're terrible and no one wants them, but are there hidden benefits? Sure. Nutrients ultimately are returned back to the soil. The heat from the fire opens up pine cones and seeds essentially germinate the next generation of trees. The canopies are opened up and sunlight hits the ground in the newly 
enriched soil gets the light and energy that it needs to spawn the next generation of trees. Life comes back to the forest in ways that it wasn't previously. And ultimately, it's a healing and restorative process. So forest fires are one natural example of how adversity can spawn good things in the long term. Another example might be farming or agriculture. Farmers actually intentionally withhold water during specific periods of a growth cycle. The byproduct of that is the crops respond by growing deeper roots. Thus, the crop is stronger and the yield from the harvest is enhanced. Certainly, we all have our own experiences with fitness and weight training. And probably in your own life, if you think back about the moments in time that were challenging moments, maybe experiences that you wouldn't have otherwise volunteered for, they didn't make a lot of sense out the windshield. But in the benefit, of hindsight, the rear view mirror, they make a lot more sense. And chances are you wouldn't have wanted to change too much about that. In my own life, I think of a couple of experiences, dreaming about playing college football and ultimately showing up, failing the physical, being asked to surrender my scholarship and being sent home. Though that was a difficult moment at the age of 18, it created all kinds of blessing in that and wouldn't have changed any bit of that experience. I attempted to start a wealth advisory practice in 2007. I was a new father. My wife had just started to stay at home with our child. And unfortunately, that was a difficult time to start a business. And from the outside in, looking in, it failed. But I learned more in that year and a half than I could have otherwise learned in any other way and wouldn't have changed it. I'm sure you have some of your own stories, stories where adversity shaped your path in positive ways for the long term. So as we think to some real world examples that are occurring right now in this difficult moment, businesses that right here in the Northwest are pivoting to capture new opportunities, new dynamics, and new trends. Let me share two with you. So here we have some clients in the manufacturing space that have been able to take advantage of the trend towards some reshoring. Some of the manufacturing that was previously occurring in China in light of all of the things that have been going on manufacturing overseas has been disrupted. And so domestic manufacturers are capturing market share that they had previously surrendered a decade plus ago. And so rather than revenues declining, they're actually seeing new opportunities to recapture previously lost market share. There's another example of client that looked at some of their existing technology and potentially repurposing the technology that they had for a new industry. So specifically the PPE not the PPP, but the PPE, personal protective equipment. In light of this pandemic, they were able to take advantage of the urgency and the reduction of red tape that would otherwise be associated with bringing new product to market. And so they were able to substantiate or validate that they were able to clean masks using their existing technology. So they were able to meet a current need, but moreover going on into the future, likely penetrated a new industry that is maybe a little bit different than the one that they are in today and creates a whole new growth opportunity for the company, not only in the midst of this pandemic, but post-pandemic, capturing on some sustainability trends within the greater healthcare industry. So certainly there's no shortage of pain and disruption and volatility in this moment in time with the pandemic and this recession, but at the same time, there's hidden blessings. This recession will create winners and losers. And so if you can create the stillness and poise necessary to really evaluate the landscape, there's a good chance that you could take advantage of this and put yourself in a really good spot for when things begin to recover and 
Maybe not even necessarily need to wait for the recovery. You can create your own recovery. So experiencing any success in this turbulent time is really going to stress test every organization's leadership aptitude. So I was exploring some different leadership theses and stumbled into this concept of VUCA. It's an acronym, Volatility, Uncertainty, Complexity, and Ambiguity. The acronym VUCA first was used in 1987. It was based upon the leadership theories of Warren Bennis and Bert Nanus. But what I thought was interesting was it was later used by the U.S. Army War College as a way to train and discover more resilient leaders post-Cold War. There are thousands of pages written on the topic of VUCA, so we're not going to unpack it here, but wanted to share a major theme of VUCA. Failure itself is not catastrophic, but failure to learn from failure definitely is. And so it's not only learning from failure, but it's also learning how to build resilience and adaptability within your organization. And certainly as a leader, you have to lead from the front. And so demonstrating resilience and adaptability is probably the first step of implementing VUCA within your own team or organization. And on that thought of starting with yourself, let's start with a quote from our friends at Building Champions. Daniel Harkavy will often say that organizational leadership is preceded by self-leadership, emphasizing the importance of being able to lead yourself well before you could ever lead a team or organization well. And so there's no shortage of stress right now. It's challenging to manage your priorities. Really want to emphasize the importance of self-care in these moments, keeping your head clear, keeping your body healthy, because self-care isn't selfish. And so there's no shortage of people right now clamoring for your attention. And I think a little bit of intentional mindfulness right now would go a long, long ways. So we currently live in the attention economy. And by that, I ask you to think about the sites that you spend the most time on might be Google or YouTube. Think about maybe Facebook or the media outlets where you get your news. Generally speaking, you don't pay anything for it. It's not that they don't make money. It's that they make money monetizing your attention. And so in this moment in time, 24-7 news cycle and mobile technology that's generally within a couple of feet of you at all times, if not on your person, there's a lot of organizations that are competing for your attention. And so in that fight for your attention, technology companies have started to hire cognitive scientists to engineer a user experience that essentially hijacks your biology to capture your attention consciously, but also subconsciously. A common tactic that you'll see deployed is something that's sometimes referred to as an amygdala hijack. Essentially, they're writing a headline or sharing you a video that's designed to trigger you, to specifically to trigger that fight or flight response, somewhat of a primal response, highly emotional. So the headlines that provoke fear, uncertainty, doubt and greed, or rage have the highest level of engagement, captures your attention better than any other headline. So in a moment like today, when there's no shortage of things that could stimulate fear, uncertainty, and doubt, or anger, the attention economy is really thriving. Unfortunately, it has a tendency to distract you from the things that really matter. Sometimes to delineate the things that really we should focus on, we'll sometimes draw a Venn diagram, so two overlapping circles. And one says things that matter, and the other circle says things that you can control. And the intersection of those two circles 
is what we encourage people to focus on. There's certainly a whole lot of things that are going on right now that matter, but you don't control them. And you have control over a lot of things. And so if you focused on the part of your life where you controlled the things that mattered, not only would you be more effective, you'd probably be more happy. And so specifically, as we think about business and finance and your money, it's quite common for people to read. And so they'll consume a tremendous amount of literature. Generally speaking, though, the price that they've paid for the literature is nothing. And so, again, their attention is being monetized as they read some sort of forecast about what's going to happen in the future. And more often than not, it's wrong. So one specific study that I like to remind people of is that the International Monetary Fund actually, in 2014, published a study, and it looked at the last 100 recessions. And interestingly, of the last 100 global recessions, only two of them were predicted by economists. So that means 98 percent of the time over the last 100 recessions, economists didn't see it coming. And presumably we're potentially in a recession right now. And as you contemplate who saw this one coming, you know, there's all these black swan events that make predicting the future almost impossible. And so as you think through what you should be focused on, again, reading reputable sources, investigating the empirical data, huge fans of that. But Far too often, people are just led astray by people that are monetizing their emotions. And truly, it comes at the cost of your attention, your health, your happiness, and probably the efficacy of the decisions regarding your business. Life is short for those that forget the past, neglect the present, and fear the future. Try to create a little stillness in your life. Back in 2008, I stumbled into a quote that you likely heard as well it was never waste a good emergency. And I thought there was something actually kind of redeeming about the reminder that urgent times, there were some advantages. And so in that spirit, we wanted to share a resource with you that hopefully would enable you to redeem the recession, so to speak. So in this moment in time where we have incredible asset price volatility, record low interest rates, from a historic perspective, low, low taxes, both from an income tax standpoint, as well as really high limits to the estate tax. Looking at that fact pattern, there it's an unprecedented opportunity for planning. And so uh, in the show notes, be sure to check out our recession checklist, some different questions and ideas that could trigger or prompt a planning tactic or conversation. So as we transition into kind of the final parts of today's conversation, wanted to share a summer reading list with you. So Leaders are readers. I have worked hard to develop a reading habit over the last several years, set a reading goal annually. And so at this point in the year, I'm about 24 books in, and I thought, hey, I could share a couple of the books that have positively impacted me over the last 12 months and assign them, so to speak, as a summer reading, kind of a nod to our yesteryear of the summer reading list. So some business nonfiction that I really enjoy. The Ride of a Lifetime, Bob Iger book. So Bob Iger being the CEO of Disney kind of walks you through his career and some of the successes and failures and highs and lows that he experienced during that time frame. Great read. The Trillion Dollar Coach. It's written by the ex-Google CEO, Eric Schmidt. So this gentleman, Bill Campbell, coached many of the billionaire tech founders in his 
leadership premises were just really insightful. I mean, to be able to coach the guys at Google, to be able to coach Steve Jobs, to be able to participate and make a deal to help fund Amazon. Bill Campbell seems to have been an incredible guy. And so the book, The Trillion Dollar Coach, is a phenomenal book on some leadership principles. Competing Against Luck by Clayton Christensen, a great book on innovation and some of the challenges and opportunities that businesses face today as they try to innovate to prosper and compete more effectively in the future. Culture is always important. So we'll often talk about Patrick Lencioni on this show, but Ben Horowitz actually wrote this book. So a Silicon Valley venture guy that kind of took a different spin on HR and culture. And so the book is What You Do Is Who You Are. I thought that was a really creative, original take on on culture building. A lot of the next book I'm going to talk about, Stillness is the Key by Ryan Holiday. Read that book in the fourth quarter of last year, introduced me to some of the Stoics and a way of thinking, a way of slowing things down, a way of creating clarity when sometimes there isn't some. One of my clients actually a couple of weeks ago tossed out kind of a riddle, how do you make muddy water clear? And the answer was stillness. And so it really, really resonated. So Stillness is the Key by Ryan Holiday. And if you're just looking to pass the time and enjoy a great narrative nonfiction, kind of a behind the scenes look, kind of reminiscent of like a shoe dog, the startup story of Nike. There's a book called Hatching Twitter. And I thought that was a fascinating book to see the ups and downs of Twitter, clearly what it has become. It was never intended to be. And it's kind of a neat story to watch these four guys, many of which get fired along the way, start this company that has later become a major influencer in the way that we communicate as a society today. And then the other book, Super Pumped, again, just kind of the startup story of Uber and a lot of the successes and failures that they've experienced along the way. So hopefully you find a couple of winners on the summer reading list. And if there's absolutely anything that we can do here at Delap to help you in this difficult time, we're here. We care deeply about you and we spend a tremendous amount of time working hard to create solutions that would create clarity and confidence to your financial decisions. So don't hesitate to reach out and happy summer solstice.